having infiltrated the university in search of Lord Dacus's niece, Seton, while also trying to accomplish their own goal of arming themselves for the coming fight of the last Valor aspect. The Riftwalkers have been separated. Brynir, Vamak, and Bartholomew find themselves in an infinite corridor, reasoning with a strange guardian. Meanwhile, Mick and Rolandir were able to teleport themselves outside the university, but quite unsafely, as Rolandir took a tumble off of an apartment roof, and the two of them find themselves now in Mainstay's streets. And still inside the university, on the main campus, Val is witness to a magister incursion, as evidently his very presence there has stirred the hornet's nest. Deep below these goings-on, in these infinite catacombs, Vmok, Brynir, and Bartholomew challenged this unseen guardian to make itself known. It's at this point that in every direction you look, the hallways begin to turn, shifting like a kaleidoscope as they collapse upon each other, condensing down into nothing, just sheer blackness, before all that's left is the room you stand in, and out of that blackness comes a shadow of a being, seeming to drip darkness onto the floor that then seeps into the cracks, while simultaneously shedding shadows as if it were a flame. It has no eyes, or mouth, or ears, or other features to speak of. And then it holds out its hands, matter-of-factly, as if to say, Here I am. And the voice that you spoke with earlier emanates from its strange, pulsating body. And it says, Hello. I am the Adun, and I will be the last thing you see. Bartholomew steps up and says, Now... I'm having a slight difficulty understanding what I'm seeing, and seeing as it's the last thing I will see, I'd like to know what I'm seeing. So, for my own edification, you have taken your form, which generally appears as a series of endless hallways, condensed it into a singular hallway in which we are, and you, which is this dripping blackness being here, which is fabulously intimidating. I don't know if you've had this plan, but it's it's a great look for you, I must admit. Is that is that fairly correct? I have no will or prerogative to answer any of your further desires. Well, that's fair enough then. Experimentation it is. And Bartholomew is going to flick some potion on the ground. What potion will that be? That will be a potion of Tasha's hideous laughter. They just perceive everything as hilariously funny. That's uh, a wisdom saving throw. It is unaffected. Um, does it react in any way to this? No. Uh, you see Bartholomew take out a little notebook. He scratches out something on the notebook, looks at another couple of things inside the notebook, takes out another vial, and flicks it on the ground, or on the being this time. So as you try to empty this potion on the being, it does not move or flinch. And no effect, I assume. I guess I should tell you what it is. It's hallucinatory terrain. It's, this, it's the one that makes people see what you want them to see. This potion also has no effect. Unless he's stopped by someone or by this being, he's going to do a variety of things to see if there's any effect. So if anyone has an idea, you are welcome to do so. If not, I've got a couple of more interesting ones that I'd like to try. The being who identified itself as the Edun steps forward and says, If I could experience such a feeling, I surmise I would begin to grow tired of your meddling. Presumably, but you already told you you're going to kill me. So really, I've got nothing to lose. And he goes back to his notebook. What is the point of absorbing us if you cannot even feel anything? 
but I can. Then what do you feel? Nothing yet. But soon all the emotions that move within your brain will feed me, nourish me. I highly doubt that you want those. I seek all experiences of that life that I cannot have. Then what stops you from leaving this place? You already killed your creators. No, I did not kill my creators. They gave themselves to create me. I am, in a sense, both them and not them. Creator and created. Then what binds you here? Their will. Their mandate. And you are quite set on feasting on us, yes? It is not a choice I make. Very well then. If that is the way things must be, then so be it. Now, burn. And Vamak is going to use intent to cast the hottest fire he can conjure at this being. Roll it up. That's a 32 on the d20 roll and a 62 on the d100. You succeed by one point. (laughs) A jet of orange and red flames spew forth from Vamak's open hand towards this fiery being, hopefully doing some sort of damage, you know, following the lines of light repels darkness, that kind of stuff. So maybe the sucker doesn't like the light. As the flames touch these shadows, it ignites as if it were made of oil and burns up in an instant as your fire continues to then scorch the ground and wall. Calling off the flames, letting it die down, Vamok looks around. He can't look around. He moves his head as if he could see the others. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, that was too easy. Ryan, does it still look like there's infinite corridors? No, it's black. Bartholomew once again reaches into his backpack and he shuffles it around there for a bit and he just he just reaches in and he pulls out a small vial and it's like the vial of Gladriel and he just shakes it up really quick as if it were a glow stick and he's gonna go toward the nearest door and he's going to hold it out see if he can project any of the light from this out of the door the light carries with you lighting up the darkness but it doesn't seem to be a floor or walls or ceiling as you extend your hand beyond the threshold and you hear curiosity, frustration, rage, or temperance. Delicious. Yes, these are well-mannered things that I will enjoy. What must I conjure next to draw more sucker from you? Bartholomew turns around. He says to everyone, he says, Now, he's trying to draw this from us. There may be a very good chance that he can just take it if he wants to. But on the other hand, what if we tried to starve him of it? I feel like maybe some sort of meditative state would allow us to withhold <laughs> his food stuffs to a certain degree. I don't, Vamaka, you look like a man who has meditated before in his life. What do you think? Oh, meditative. I thought you said vegetative. And I thought, is Bartholomew going to induce a coma in everyone? That's a second great idea. What is his game plan? Medically induced coma. (laughs) 
Now, you drink this, and you will not move for the next 10 years, but after that, you're going to feel great. Possibly 15, but... Possibly forever. Still working out the mechanics. Again, turning to the mock, he says, you, you warrior taps, y'all like to... To, to think deeply about your actions. And Vermach, if I've ever heard a man speak as slowly as you, it's because he thinks about his words. So what do y'all say? We, we give it a shot. Maybe 10, 20, 30 minutes of absolute and pure mental nothingness. I mean, that's got to piss him off. That's got to get a reaction out of him. I do not see why we cannot try this. And Vermach is going to sit down on the floor and he's going to just try to start clearing his mind... Just letting everything go. And Bartholomew says, Welcome to your guided meditation session. My name is Bartholomew and I will be your instructor. We can do without that. <laughs> I- I'm sorry, that-, that was my fault. I misread the situation. But Bartholomew lays down um, and he can't hear anything. But if anyone looked at his face, they would see him mumbling as he guides himself through his meditation session. <laughs> Vamak is going to willingly cast deafness on himself. He knows that even if he can hear just a little bit of Barty's <laughs> mumbling, you know, it's just going to be one of those things that gnaws at him until he's done. And so if he really wants this to work, he needs kind of complete silence. So he's not going to be able to hear anybody for the next little while. And Brynir? He's just sitting there meditating. Though you cannot feel it. The floor shifts beneath your feet, and the walls as well. Even these black abysses change to different scenes, kind of like uh, Doctor Strange style, where everything just like duplicates and molds, and it, exactly what Laurel just did with her hands, but <laughs> with walls. <laughs> you welcome to the visual aid. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> And then you see something that perhaps to Vamak and Bartholomew is familiar. It seems to be a city nestled in the side of a mountain. Strong geometric designs, the staple of dwarven architecture. You're in a small village outside of a great dwarven city somewhere in the old world. And despite your best meditative tactics, Bartholomew, you hear a voice and it goes, Father? Father, is that you? Now, son, I told you this before, and I'll tell you again. Don't mess with Daddy when he's meditating. <laughs> I'm sorry, nice. Daddy. I don't want the belt. But look at <laughs> here. <laughs> I was oh just God. inside helping Mama fixing up something for dinner, and she done collapsed. Now, that ain't good, but... Ugh, fine. I told you to get stuff ready for our friends, so I guess it's best I go inside and take care of this. Go grab the panacea for me. We all knew the cancer was getting worse, but this should be able to hold it off for a couple of years. Did you just make that up right there? <laughs> what is going on? His wife has cancer. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I got that part. Not that. only that, but they know enough. They're they're far enough along medicinally to be able to diagnose cancer. It was really easy with the giant back tumor she has. It was pretty clear. <laughs> Why don't you use a different disease, Ammon? <laughs> Something vaguer. We'll give her the consumption. I was gonna, the yeah, consumption's a classic. Well, why don't you run along then and finish up that dinner for our friends? I'll take care of her. I think I still got a little bit of that medicine for her consumption. She's a strong, stout woman. She'll make it through. Don't you worry now, lad. Don't you worry. There's a nice couple of taps on the shoulder. And he walks into the house quickly, 
Well, as Bartholomew walks into the house, you open the door and you just see this black expanse before you. And as you turn from side to side, the threshold of this doorway is once again the threshold of this single room that you sat in. And the voice just kind of licks at your mind and you feel a great unease. And it goes, that was very easy. Now that was very unkind, sir. What if I brought up to you about you sacrificing all of your friends and creators to make your hell-damned sort of experience and being? And that was just straight <laughs> up uncalled for, unjustified, and if I might be frank, unchristian. <laughs> so, so if I might suggest that you restrain yourself in the future. I'm on to your tricks now, boy. You think I don't know my son's been dead for 15 years? Oh. <laughs> and he looks around real quick to see if any of his uh, companions heard that. Oh. Vamok didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Brynir did, but he's not saying anything. And uh, uh, backing away from what he just said. Well, before you can even continue, you hear this almost rattle in the air, like the beginning of a laugh, and then it just morphs into this strange moan that then culminates in the voice speaking once more, going, Delectable, yes. Is that regret I taste? At the uh, possible passing of a certain person in my family, uh, no, no, that that was uh, that was <clears throat> just a normal. <clears throat> uh, 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 uh. Then he sits down to meditate again. You will tide me over for a long time yet. Outside the university, in the streets of Mainstay, Mick and Relandir work their way along. Mick actually feels a little strained and realizes, oh, he actually casts that spell, Dimension Door, without taking a Lykel. And he downs a Lykel and says, Rolandia, I, I can't do this. Before we continue on, we must do something about your ankle. <laughs> yes, uh, and they've been walking for a bit of a ways now, and it's been taking a toll on his own ability to walk. One second, I might be able to try something. And he's going to uh, rest his hand on his ankle itself and see if he can lay on hands to drain some of this stored energy that he normally gives to others and see if it can heal this injury. And he is going to heal... How many am I down? Uh, 57 hit points of his 75 pool, which brings him back up to full health. Does that do anything to the minor wound? Yes, that will that will get rid of your minor wound. What does this look like when you perform this action? So as he lays just one hand, he sits down on a nearby step. He lays down one hand on his ankle, and these almost translucent, sparkling waves shoot down his arm and go into it, which then bind around it and then sink into his ankle. As you finish this spell and then look up, you see a boy maybe seven, eight years old, just like looking at you with wide eyes. He's wearing a sign, like advertising an apothecary, like, you know, kind of draped over him front and back. And as he's looking at you, he just goes, Oh, gee, was that magic? (laughs) (laughs) There have been some quality children. Still looking like the third year university student that he's pretending to be. Rolander stands up, now quite spry on his ankle. (laughs) 
No. What are you looking at, kid? Get out of here. What? But your robes. You're from the Arcanum. Yes, and it would be in your best interest to forget you ever saw us. Oh, me mom was at the Arcanum a long time ago. Then he kind of turns. Is she still there? What? No. She'd been dead. Oh. I'm sorry to hear that. It's all right. I don't remember her. That's just what me uncle says. Does your uncle own this apothecary? No. That's me aunt. <laughs> oh <my> gosh. <laughs> right then. But me aunt on me dad's side, not me mum's. My mum didn't have any sisters. <laughs> That's very well. Ah, oh, wonderful to hear. Uh, is there anything we can... Are you also from the university? Yes, well... You see, me and my friend come from there. Uh, is there anything that we can give you to be on your way? Well, I wouldn't mind a cut or two, I'll be honest. And if you want to visit me and apothecary, there's plenty of things to interest you. Ah, wonderful. How about we give you a... something else? <laughs> well, I, I think it's quite fine. And Rolander reaches into his pouch that he's carrying and pulls out three cuts. And unless you three speci- cuts? Unless you specifically grab that earlier, you only have rams. Well, give your best to your aunt and your uncle, and we'll be off. And the kid just looks at the money like with even more surprise than when he saw you literally change the elements <laughs> of the world. And he's like, Stitches, mister, look at this! And Rolander's just walking. Before the kid walks away, I go, Oh, and what was your name? I'm sorry, I didn't catch it. Oh, my name's Boggy. Oh, Boggy. What a lovely name. Oh, Boggy. Just between the three of us. Can you keep this between the three of us? You saw any of this? I mean, for three iron cuts, I'll do whatever you ask. That's a good boy. Perhaps for that, you could actually uh, help direct us a bit. We're looking for the, well... The estate of a a Lord Dacus. Perhaps you have heard, at least, of those who would be on his same tier. Perhaps you could direct us to the proper region of the city. Well, stitches, mister, I don't go gallivanting with lords. I've never been to the Upper Mains myself. Eh, But surely you know at least the direction in which they are. Oh, yeah. And he just points up the hill. Wow, great directions. Thank you, Boggy. (laughs) You're welcome. Rolandier's turned and walked away by now. <laughs> oh, and Boggy, where is your aunt's apothecary? It's right behind me. And he points behind him. Right. We'll be there sometime in the future. Thank you very much. Toodaloo. Sarith, bless you. <laughs> Having had this very strange interaction with this urchin boy, Rolandier turns to Mick. Uh, that does actually bring up A good point, though. Perhaps it would be best to not be gallivanting around in... Then he just points to himself yet again. I think uh, two young students from the university would draw quite a bit of attention. Perhaps we can try to shake off this seeming spell that Val's put on us. Well, I can shake it off no problem because it's me, Mickey. But for (laughs) yourself. (laughs) All right, well, regardless, I'm going to try to at least make myself appear as I wish now, and is going to attempt to shake off seeming. Let me double check what save it is. Charisma. Something you're good at. Alright, that's a calc 20. Oh yeah, you save. And Rolandier turns back into his normal self, now wearing uh, the 
older versions of the robes, the sword that he has taken out of the depths of the university gleaming on his back. Oh, yes, that. Um, Mick is going to do likewise, but just take off his robes underneath his traditional jumpsuit, actually. So Mick's just going to hold them. And Rolander follows suit. He removes his older robes just to reveal some normal street clothes underneath. All right, that's better. I mean, he wasn't wrong. We need to get up there somehow. Let's start going quickly this time. And he gives a little skip on his now-heeled ankle and begins charging through the city. Not charging, but briskly walking through the city. Mick follows. The pair of you hoof it back up to the upper mains, and you knew where um, Cad and Luna would be waiting for you. So you find them there. They haven't stirred. They've been waiting for half the day, but they're still there. Cad is disguised as a human. It would seem he's changed his appearance, but Luna just looks like Luna. And they seem to be playing some kind of... uh, game with pieces on a checkered board. Walking up behind where Cad is sitting at this table playing the game, Rolandir reaches his hand over to point at the game board. I think that would be a good move. And he looks up at you and he says, I don't think I've ever seen you play plinth in my life. I doubt you're very good at it. Oh, Caddy, please. (laughs) Why do you have to be so cold? The man just wants to help. No, no, he's absolutely right. That's probably a terrible move. Is it? It is, and we've been waiting here forever. What's taken you so long? We were able to get into the university, and we uncovered some deep, vast caverns or... Um, labyrinth? Yes, a labyrinth of sort beneath the college that had all manner of artifacts, and he just kind of points to the sword on his back. This is actually one of the relics that I had taken. But regardless... We believe it's time to start bringing you and Luna back in. We need to wait until Val contacts us. He should be securing, uh, hopefully by tonight, a safe location for us to bring you in. We found a secluded space on the southeastern wall. It looks as if that's where the attack happened. There's a lot of recent repair work in the stone and damage, actually, still. But regardless, we can lead you there and wait. There's a small apothecary, actually, that we met along the way where we could probably sit down and uh, find some manner of safety, or we could wait here, but then it's a longer trek before we can get there. Uh, But, honestly, I think it would probably be best we we could just wait here until Val makes contact with us. Um, Luna, you wouldn't by chance have a means of contacting Val directly, would you? Normally Val takes care of this kind of stuff, but... Yeah, no, I'll, I'll do that right now. Inside, as the magisters start to then take students out of this hall where they've been gathered into separate rooms, seemingly to interrogate them, Val still remains invisible, looking on at this intimidating display of force. Are any of the students that I talked to in this crowd? The nerds? Yeah, the nerds. I, I There's like a thousand students here. Okay, so, so I wouldn't have any way to know. It'd be hard to pick out anyone in particular that you briefly glanced. This has gone very south very quickly, <laughs> to say the least. And I think Val will probably step out of this room if he can do so discreetly. After this Magister gave his speech and these students started to get moved out of the room, Magisters did take up positions at the entrances and exits. So though you are invisible, you would still have to physically like move a door. Very closely past uh, these magisters or through a closed doorway. Okay. Are there any like open doorways or windows? 
there's a very large open doorway that's kind of like the big archway into the this grand hall. But again, there's like six or seven magisters kind of just standing, arms crossed. But you'd have to brush by. You could potentially squeeze between or past them, but that all depends on the dice. I'm in the lion's den right now, so I think I will. I'll I'll do my best to, to squoosh. I'm going to give you advantage because right as you're moving out there, someone, a magister, hurriedly runs in and addresses this magister in the gilded robes. Okay, I will very quickly go through the door so that I'm outside of the room, but I do want to listen to see if I can hear their conversation. Okay, you still have to roll for stealth then as you're going through. 17? You squeeze through just as these magisters close the gap again, and you hear this magister who just entered go, My lord, my lord, the twelfth rose calls the second sword. And, and then this magister who's obviously in charge goes, Already, we have only just barely begun here. Very well. We will conclude business quickly, but tell them that we will be yet some time. I will not be bossed around by the likes of him. And this magister who delivered the message gives a deep bow and then heads back out. Interesting. I am going to leave this area that is, like, magister-ridden. I'll probably head back to that part of the university where we were investigating before to see if I can poke around and make any sense of the attack or what might have happened or even, like... If I could find maybe regist- like student registers to look at to see where Seton would have roomed before the attack. I want to see if I can find any solid evidence besides just like hearsay that she is actually gone. You spend a good amount of time looking and even moving into like faculty offices where your student records are kept and there is no Seton on any record. It seems that what is odd, and this is just given your passive investigation, that alphabetically speaking, pages that would have contained the name Seton Dacus are freshly scrawled. Ooh, okay. So she's been erased. It wasn't like we got duped and sent in here on a wild goose chase. Seems so. Okay. Can I take one of those registers with me? Yes. You, at least the portion of the scroll that's relevant. Okay, great. I will do that, um, and then I will go to our prearranged meeting place to potentially relay this information, but I have a sneaking suspicion that <laughs> Luna will contact me first. As you silently close the door behind you of this dormitory in the midst of renovations, you hear in your mind, Val, where are you? What's going on? Uh, there are magisters here looking specifically for me. I have evidence of setting. I don't know if it's safe to come into the university anymore. That was 25 words exactly. I'm a pro at sending. <laughs> and Luna relays back. That isn't an option. We don't have a choice anymore. It's the university or nothing. Very well. I mean, you are welcome to have Mick and Rolandia reached you. They can come back to the pre-arranged location. We'll be there shortly. Then Val is uh, going to play the waiting game for... Yeah, I'm just going to hang out. Then back outside the walls of the university in this park district, Luna stands and she says, Val's ready. Let's go. Looking at Rolandier and Mick, can can you take us back? He looks and sees that they are probably obviously ready with their equipment and such. Let's go. And you hoof it back. Now, your positioning needs to be a little different than it was initially, as, you know, 500 feet straight out from your room brought you a considerable amount of distance in the air above apartments. So to be then safe, you move around underneath where you surmise that this room may be. 
at least as close as you can for the structure of the university kind of comes down on these foothills where these lower parts of Mainstay are located. Great stone pillars holding up these balconies and construction high above you. Now, Mick, how many times can you dimension door us back? As many times as we need. I assume for this group I can only take one person with me at a time. So, four times? Yes, as long as we have enough to get us all up there, then I say let's begin. Alrighty then. Mick makes quick work of bringing Rolandir and then Cad and then Luna back inside the confines of the university into this abandoned room. Deep below where you are situated, in these strange halls, where Brynir, Barty, and Vamok still find themselves imprisoned, this creature, this being, speaks once more. And it says, I would have imagined that one so well-traveled as yourselves would have had a run-in with something similar to me. Though perhaps I am unique. An interesting idea. Combing your memories for similarities will provide excellent nourishment. Is this a voice inside our heads? No. Oh, okay. Well, then, Vamok doesn't care one way or the other, because he can't hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Rhaenyra is still meditating. It's kind of weird how he's meditating, though. He's, like, actually standing up and meditating. Brynir feels the slightest touch of cold on his face, and a wind that whisks by you. He doesn't react. And then you hear a voice, familiar to you. The voice of an old elder from where your home was. Brynir is becoming quite a brilliant young man. And then... You hear a short scoff of satisfaction, and then a much more familiar voice, the voice of your father, saying, Yes, indeed, Alerayra, the pride of the northern Demnik. He is everything that I could hope for in a son, and he has a bright path ahead of him. It's not every day that we get a personal visit from one of the elders. Is there anything that I can do to be of service? It is because of your son that I am here. Come, Halvor, we must speak. And then Brynir hears a door open and close, and then muffled voices continue beyond in a wooden dwelling outside his earshot. Brynir still does nothing. You feel a tap on your side, and then as if someone were tugging on your shirt. Brynir resists. And you hear a small voice. Hello? Who are you? Brynir is going to continue to put the words out of his mind and not dwell on anything. Become at peace with himself. I think I'm going to require a wisdom saving throw. 17. You resist these temptations, these kind of mental proddings, and then you hear footsteps approaching, and another voice calls out to this boy who has been tugging at your side. Brynir, my boy, where is your father? Where is Halvor? I have a case of rare for him that he has been sorely wanting. Not in a very talkative mood today, I see. What is the matter? Is there something wrong? You can tell me anything. It stays just between us. You know me. Brynir clenches his fist and does not 
open his eyes or do anything. And you hear... The slightest trip, the sweetest nectar. More, give me more. Immediately after hearing this, Brynir again relaxes. And you, you hear a sensation in this voice that you hadn't heard yet um, that seems to maybe confirm Barty's hypothesis and you you hear no 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 no, no damn you <sighs> and then Brynir hears another voice one of your childhood friends the voice of a boy named Ellen Captain we are ready to go when you are Brynir are you well you look pale. Can I get you something? Anything. He continues to not respond. Are you always so stoic? <laughs> this isn't how you are with Runa, is it? Now that would be embarrassing. If that were so, I dare say, I think she deserves someone a little more man than you, eh? And you feel this nudge in your ribs. I think I can think of someone, uh, myself maybe. I'm sure she wouldn't mind, especially if you're this cold to her as you are with me. God's above. He does nothing. And you hear this voice, though it's not one that you know, and you can't quite discern what it's saying. And Bartholomew hears it too, though in a different way. This strange amalgamation of voices, as if different memories are being stitched together and thrown about into the air almost as if in an act of desperation. And then, finally, and Vamak hears this too as his magic is dispelled, the three of you hear a great snap, and then the voice goes, Fine. Fine. If you will not sate me, then trade with me, and I will let you pass. And Bartholomew hops up and he says, Now, now, sir. That is ridiculous. I came before you before all this began with an excellent offer of a night out on the town, and now because you can't rob us, you want us to pay you? No, 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 no. Now, if we decide out of the goodness of our hearts to contribute a little something to your ongoing existence, that is our own prerogative. But the mere fact that we will leave is already a known. Now, if you have a little bit more to offer than just passage, I'm willing to barter. But mere existence... The more you speak and stand and emote, the more I draw from you. I will not keep my offer for long. You have weakened me. What is it you seek? Something worthwhile. Something I have never seen. Give it to me, and I will let you go. Barty says, now I've got something good for you, but this means you got to be ready for good. If I, if I whip up a memory here in my head... Will it be? Can you can you just grab that? You don't have to go sifting that way. I will be able to recall. I will be able to take that which you specifically recall. Just do it. Quickly, I need it. Bartholomew recalls an event that brought him maybe the most intense feeling he's ever felt. Uh, an event which in current company will not be spoken of. I'll, I'll shoot you a text or a slack, but I don't want to share with everyone else. 
But it's 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 definitely the strongest feeling that Bartholomew has ever had. As you offer this up, you see almost like a wisp-like visage of your own face kind of detach from yours and float into this black oblivion at the edge of the room. And you hear this, like... I keep my promises. And then, with a clattering of stone, the room in front of you assembles back into a normal corridor. The one behind you the spiral staircase again that leads back upstairs and to your right and left more offshoot corridors that delve deeper into the archives and this presence fades. <laughs>